Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to the Create and Thrive podcast summer series 2017. It is the summer holidays here in lovely subtropical Queensland, Australia. And during this time, I will be rerunning the best episodes from 2017. I'll be back January 2018 with all new episodes of the podcast and also with the Handmade Biz Bootcamp, a three-week program that will help you get crystal clear on what you want to do with your handmade business in 2018. It's available exclusively for members of the Thriver Circle, which will be opening on January 2nd to new members. The bootcamp starts on January 8th, so head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all the details and enjoy the Create and Thrive podcast summer series. Hi, Stacey. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's awesome to chat to you uh, on the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to you about your business journey um, because we've known each other for a long time online, actually. I don't know yes. exactly how many years, but... <laughs> uh, a lot, I think, bit of I you. feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Stacey used to write posts for Create and Thrive for me back in the day when it started, some wonderful posts. So go check that out. Go search for her name on the, on the blog and find some lovely things that she's written there, useful things. Uh, but before we dive into the details, for those of you out there listening who don't know who Stacey Bloomfield is, Stace, would you mind just giving us a little background on your business, how it started and kind of just a, a potted history of how it evolved to this point? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, like I said, uh, like she said, <laughs> my business is Gingerbur and it is an animal centric stationary and home decor brand for the young and young at heart. That's kind of the gist of it. I draw a lot of animals and I put them on all sorts of different products. Um, I started the company in 2009 when I had my first child and I couldn't find any nursery art that I really loved. So I made my own. I have a background in graphic design and fine arts. So I kind of used some of my school skills to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, make some drawings. And at first they were just for me and my husband encouraged me to sell them online. And at that time, you know, Etsy was the marketplace mm. to use. And uh, it was really scary. And uh, <laughs> because I thought I, I bought my first like archival printer, you know, and some equipment and it was like several hundred dollars. And I was like, how am I ever going to sell enough artwork to pay for this printer? <laughs> that was the only goal. That was the only goal. So gosh, that was almost eight years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a while. And uh, so since then, we grew from just me creating nursery art to expanding into lots of different products, greeting cards, screen printed tea towels, tote bags, eventually moving out of my house, moving from one studio to the next, adding a couple of employees, getting into wholesale, where Mm. we sell now with 300 stores, which is pretty fun. So we wholesale our products. We sell our products online. And then... We partner with other brands to like license my artwork. So some of the more higher profile partnerships have been with the Land of Nod. I've done a lot of nursery bedding and decor and products for them. Mm-hmm. I've um, designed for, um, let's see, uh, Moda Fabrics. I have a line of fabric with Moda Fabrics, cool. which is really fun. Mm. And um, I have some products in West Elm or some, some of my design products. Just, uh, yeah, so it's pretty multifaceted. So that's what I do. 
Awesome. And I know because um, a lot of makers and artists and designers who are – you know, sort of in our age bracket and raising families and stuff. And you managed to do all of this while having three children, of course, as well. Yeah, started with one and added <laughs> two more along the way. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's. I think suffice to say it's been a busy decade for you with a lot of stuff yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually crazy to feel like it's approaching a decade. I can't even believe that. Like, I've been in this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me just – I want to touch on – because something that struck me, you know, when I was, I mean, I've known about your business for years and watched it grow, but when I was reading your stuff and it's like, oh, you've got, it's, and I think on your bio, you say 250 retail stores, now it's 300. I really yeah. want to ask you about that because that is an amazing number of places to have your work. How did you manage to get your stuff into so many stores and maintain that? Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> I will, I'll say, honestly, I have to be honest, first and foremost, I feel like I was in the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. during kind of this, when the handmade movement was really kind of like flourishing a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I was in the right place at the right time. And so at first we started wholesaling products. We only started doing it because people were approaching us, asking us to wholesale our products when they would find them on Etsy. And so at first it was kind of I don't want to say luck. We worked really hard, but we didn't even realize what was happening. Oh, people want our products in their stores. Okay, we can do that. (laughs) So it was kind of learning as we went. So that, but, you know, I noticed about three years ago, you know, blogs really changed, right? Just the Mm -hmm. nature of how blogs work and the way you get featured. And we really decided to kind of, by that point, we, I brought in my sister. She works for me and I brought her on as my wholesale manager. Mm -hmm. And we decided to actually like take some action there and create like a wholesale like package and plan to where we were like not just accidentally doing something well, but had a plan behind it and a growth trajectory. So, Mm -hmm. um, I started doing trade shows. So I've done the national stationary show for a few years ago, for a few years. And then, uh, we just this year started adding wholesale reps and those are, people who have specific territories, most of mine are in the United States, and they sell to a specific territory, and they get your products out there to brick and mortar so you wouldn't be able to visit on your own, and Mm -hmm. they take a commission, and that's been really helpful with growing us um, in the past few months, and really um, taking it, you know, taking it from just like a a business that I loved, and so I created it, to really approaching it as like a business that needs to grow and having Mm -hmm. some plans behind it and some feet. So um, does that... Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. it's quite amazing. Um, so it sort of started off accidentally, and then you just jumped on it. And went right. We gotta, we gotta go with this. Run with it and and make it a yeah. bigger thing. So I'm curious about wholesale reps. How do how do you find them? How do you work with them? Like how does that work? Well, I won't pretend to be an expert in this because, like <laughs> I said, it's been in the past year that we've really uh, started that part of our business, and it was a mystery to me two mm. years ago. I was like, how do you get into this? Um, <laughs> No, seriously. Uh, first, and it seems so silly. I have all these friends in my industry, and at first, it was just literally asking them, like, "Do you work with reps? Who do you recommend?" Yeah. Um, really, kind of getting a feel for who the industry players are, because you could have reps for so many different things. Like, I'm looking for reps who work with stationery, mm-hmm. greeting cards, and home goods. But you know, there are people who do jewelry specifically who might need reps who focus more on kind of jewelry and boutiques. So it was first t- talking to my successful colleagues. It'd be like, who do you love? Who do you want to work with? Then at the last trade show, and this might seem really silly, but at my last trade show, I literally put a sign up in my booth and it said, I'm looking for reps. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, seriously. And it was actually that's where two of our two of our reps that we work with now came from that. Uh and it's been really interesting. Um I've pitched myself to tons and tons of rep groups by tons. I mean like, you know, in my in my area, mm-hmm. maybe there's like five really big stationary reps that are like the players, you yeah. know, and you want to work with. Yeah. So really, it's been a lot of putting myself out there. Mm. I'll say that's the one thing that I'm not afraid to do. I pitch myself like crazy <laughs> when I'm interested in something. I, I've i learned that if I don't do it, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So I've come up with like a little um, little press kit, uh, you know, a nice, concise way to describe Gingerbread talking about some of our highlights. And uh, that's where most of my relationships have come from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think you know, you're a gregarious person and you're happy to talk about your work, put yourself out there. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is having that confidence in themselves and their work to just go for it and just talk it up and, you know, reach out to as many people as possible and tell them about it. Because if you don't ask, you don't get. No, it's so true. And I mean, I'll be completely honest. There are times when that has been terrifying to me, especially when it's something completely new. Mm. Um, Now, you know, once I'm comfortable in something, it's easier. But I remember... When the first thought I had of wanting to work with a rep group, how unattainable it felt. Mm-hmm. Even at that point when I was already working with, like, on my own, I had acquired 200 brick-and-mortar stores, mm-hmm. and I felt like, what rep group is going to want to work with me whenever I'm, you know, just this little brand, you know, mm-hmm. and there are all these really big fish out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll say this, when I keep my blinders up, and don't look around me too much. That's whenever I, I feel the most successful. And whenever I kind of let it, let those blinders come down and look around at like the people who, who are doing, there's so many killer businesses out there mm-hmm. makers, you know, it's just, it's a real fine line to walk between having a really great supportive, creative community and letting that bit of, you know, what's the word? Envy? Self-deprecating envy mm-hmm. come up, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So it's like, a, I mean, it could be, that can get in the way, you know? Mm, definitely. Yeah. I think I'm a big proponent of, you know, collaboration, not competition, but you know, don't, don't focus on what other people are doing, focus on what you're doing and do it and do it well. And that's how you succeed. You know, you, yes. you don't succeed by trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. <laughs> oh no, totally. And every time I've, if I've ever struggled as a business, it's been when I looked around too much mm. and kind of tried to follow suit a little you know yeah, yeah, yeah. uh you know I've, I've i found that what works for gingerbread works for gingerbread might not work for another brand and vice versa yeah definitely so let's dive in a little bit to the actual design and uh, the running of the business elements there because you say you know you've got you've got a studio you've got um staff and stuff like that so what's your role these days and what do other people do for you or for the business okay. i should say well you know i will say that Gosh, I've had two employees who worked with me for like a few years. And like I said, one was a wholesale manager. First, she started out just as admin, my sister helping me keep up with like administrative tasks. Yep. And then wholesale grew to where now that's all she does. And then I have a gal who helps me ship. But up until, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I did most of that myself, which is crazy to think about. Um, I'd have occasional help. I, I right now um, have two more people that I brought on staff. So now I have a customer service rep who mm-hmm. handles all of our customer service. And then I have someone who helps with assembly and packaging. And then I still do all the artwork. I still yep. do all the artwork. I still do all the social media. Um, I do, I run the business, man. That's what I do. I run the business. <laughs> and 
I I actually um, just completed. You're catching me at a really good time because uh, I just completed a 16 week small business course through our local small business association and it was essentially for middle-sized businesses like mine Mm -hmm. who want to scale up their business but don't really know how and Mm -hmm. so I've just completed 16 weeks of trying to get a better grasp of like how am I going to take this business from what it is right now which is lovely and great Mm -hmm. but make it into something more profitable and run it smarter Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah I, I make all the financial decisions I do all the creative work I I choose the the trajectory we're going, all the licensing um, collaborations have come because I've approached those companies to work with, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. really it's just, I pitch myself. That's what I do. So, yeah. but I stay really busy. So <laughs> awesome. So um, <clears throat> what would you say has been the biggest challenge you've overcome so far in your business journey? Okay. I will tell you, and it's, Last year was a really rough year for the business because I kind of, how do I phrase this? So I have my last child, he's two years old. Mm-hmm. So I will say like after having that, that last child for the past two years, it's been kind of a little game of catch up, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. cause it, it takes a lot out of you when you're a mom and you have a child and I didn't take any time off, you know. So that last, the collection after my baby was born, that, that collection two years ago wasn't the strongest Mm-hmm. honestly, because I didn't have enough time, which kind of put me in a path to where this past 12, 12 months was like me catching up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, it was like catching up just in doing better work. Mm-hmm. And then also I attempted to have a brick and mortar store last year mm-hmm. in our downtown area. And it was really pretty and beautiful, but it wasn't profitable enough. Mm-hmm. And my lease, I had a lease at this building downtown with the intention to purchase the building. And that was kind of what my sites were on. Yeah. And it kind of felt it, uh, the building was purchased by someone else. I wasn't able to purchase it. So I had to move out of that building. And so I had invested months and overhead and lots of money into building out a storefront. Mm-hmm. And I was only there for like six months because of some some of those things I just mentioned. And yeah. so that was actually, I'm, I'm just being completely honest. That mm-hmm. was like a big challenge that I had because I was expecting to make that like a revenue generator and I didn't have enough time there to really um, pour into it what I needed to. Like I was about to hire like a store manager. I'd been doing it all by myself. Yeah. Sometimes I'd have my kids there with me having customers. It was honestly <laughs> like I was doing too much at once. That's yeah. the biggest thing. I was doing everything I've already told you plus a brick and mortar and hosting workshops and events there. And with a, with young kids and a husband who works in a different state some uh, most days and uh, gosh, it was too much. And so mm. like, I'm just going to be say like what I overcame was like pushing myself too hard, too fast, um, wanting something that maybe wasn't the right time to do it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm confident I could have a brick and mortar in a different time when my kids are a little older and have the right staff, support staff, and make it really awesome. But I couldn't do it by myself. And that was a hard lesson to learn because, you know, it it happened publicly, you know, in my town and on social media. And that was a, that after that closed, I felt very discouraged Mm. about the direction I had been going with the business because um, there were a lot of really good things, but I lost the money in that venture, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't make back the money I put into it. And it was like, I had to had a little time where I was really sad, but I had to like shake it off because, you know, it's like, okay, 
how am I going to take this last quarter of the year, last three months, and make it to where it's so profitable that I can make up for <laughs> what I invested at the beginning of the year that didn't pay off? So, like, it was like I was work- we were working at a break- uh, breakneck pace. At that point, mm-hmm. we moved into a smaller, more affordable studio without a storefront. That's whenever I brought on the customer service rep mm-hmm. and gave some of my gals more hours and um, really decided to dive into like, okay, what's working well for Gingerbread right now? Mm-hmm. Let's invest more time in that. Wholesale. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I love, oh, there's so many things I love about what you just said. I love that at the end there you said uh, you actually put your staff on for more hours because you realized that if they worked more, you could grow the business and the profit in that element of the business more. You know, I think a lot of people would freak out and do the opposite because they were trying yeah. to save money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was scary. It's yeah. Just, it was scary. And I'm really learning so much more now. Like, I'm about to bring on someone else to the team, actually, to mm. support. Um, like, I do all the creative work and all the layout work. I lay out our catalogs. I lay out everything that you see. I'm going to probably bring on someone to help with, like, the basic layout work. Mm. I'll still do the artwork because um, – I'm getting so many opportunities that I actually can't keep up and I want to make good quality artwork. Yeah. And so I need some help with the things that don't necessarily need my legs to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That things that you don't have to do because yeah, you know, someone else can, can do them for you. And you know, I think, you know, the, the whole um, having a storefront going through that process and coming out of it in a positive way after, you know, the inevitable downtime, you're going to feel like, oh, damn, you know, that didn't work this time. And the idea that maybe in the future it'll be the right time, it just wasn't the right time, and still having confidence that you can pull it off one day, but now just wasn't that day. Um, and I'm frankly amazed, I think a, a lot of the listeners will be as well, the fact that you just say, you know, your husband isn't even there a lot of the time. Yeah, <laughs> So is. you're running yeah. the household as well. Yeah, I mean, he's here at night, but yeah. he works in a whole different state. So he has a three-hour driving commute um, every day that he works. And he has to wake up at 5 a.m. to get there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, he's excellent. He's amazing. But, you know, it is it has been tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the three kids, and they're not all on school full-time, mm-hmm. so that's been tricky too. Do, so. you have help, do you have help with them, or is it all on you? Um, I do. My oldest is um, in second grade, so she goes to an elementary school, and my middle child is in preschool, and we actually got her into a really good preschool program through our public school, but my Mm -hmm. youngest, he goes to Kids Day Out three days a week, and Mm -hmm. so that's only what, that's 18 hours a week of childcare. Right. So I have him the rest of the time, and he's two, man, and he is into everything, (laughs) so he can't come to the studio with me. He can't, because he's just... I mean, I have things on big metal shelves and he pulls everything and he's a climber. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still in that place where I do a lot of work at night after they go to bed still. And when I'm at the studio, it's a lot more of like what needs to get done that has to be done here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's super impressive. I have to say, um, I I don't have kids. I have a cat. He's enough trouble. Um, Tell me about it. my dog, my new puppy that I got. I got a puppy this year. She's not even potty trained yet. And oh, I'm no. like, what have I done? I love her. She's really cute. And um, I, I, I bought her thinking, like, she'll be the studio dog. And she can't come to the studio with me either right now because she's not um, trained yet. So we're working on that. Um, you know, I buy it off a little more than I can chew sometimes. But usually I can balance it out. So <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> 
I'm sure it'll be lovely when she's all good and, and, you know, making people happy in the studio. I'm always like, a year from now, I'm going to look back on this and it's going to be so great. So, yeah. That's it. Future, future focus. Um, That's how I do it, man. So what would you say? I mean, you've got some pretty impressive um, credentials and experiences in your business. You know, what would you say to you has been the most exciting or I call it the fist pump moment. Like, yeah, like what's the most amazing thing that you kind of stands out to you in your business journey? Oh man, that's, there's, there's been a lot of fist pump moments and I, I like, well, just, you know, the first one that most people think about when they think of me is the land of nod having that, that long-term collaboration. I mean, I've been designing for them for three years now Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes artists come and go with the land of nod, but I've been really fortunate to have a good relationship with them and the people who run the land of nod. And I mean, that's just been a long-term source of just like, um, you know, not only like financial gain, but like just joy because it's, I get to design products that I wouldn't be able to produce on my own mm-hmm. because of like the expertise they have. But I, I will say this year, the biggest one, cause that's been long-term. Um, I started designing fabric for Moda fabrics and, um, We've just started to like see the fruit from that this year because mm-hmm. we released our first lines last year. But you know, with um, licensing, you do the artwork up front yep. and then you don't get paid till later. Yeah. And um, we are just now starting to see like that financial return. And it's just been a real pleasure to see like all this work that went into it at the end have something fruitful come from it. Because um, sometimes when you license work, there's no guarantee that it's going to sell well, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, what that means is it's based on how many units they sell and then you get a percentage mm-hmm. of that cut. And um, just seeing the success of the line, like it, the lines that I've released so far have been so well received. And Moda is a huge like distributor of fabric in yeah. the U.S. and in the world. They're I've heard of them and I'm not even a sewer. So. They're the biggest quilting fabric distributor, I believe, right. um, which is crazy. And so I would say like there's been this whole new audience that I've gotten to uh, kind of learn from, like the fabric and quilting industry. Mm-hmm. And they've embraced me with such love and it's a great amazing community and I just I feel like so many of my like followers and social media have come from that relationship and that's been just like really like it's like woohoo you know like (laughs) yeah and what's crazy about that is two years ago I didn't even know how to do a repeat pattern I just decided I wanted to do fabric two years ago because I've always loved fabric and I said I'm going to teach myself how to do this Mm -hmm. and then I taught myself how to do it and then I pitched myself to fabric companies and I couldn't believe it when right after the email went to Moda, like within like a few hours, they were like, let's talk. And that doesn't <laughs> always happen. No. Because there are other companies who I never heard anything from. Mm. And for it to be just like, I mean, they're just the tops. I can't say more good things about them. I just, <laughs> you know, that's all. So this <laughs> yeah. But again, it came from you think, thinking, I want to do this, figuring out how to make it happen, and then putting yourself out there. Yeah, Boom. I mean, I've I have a lot of people who wonder sometimes how these things happen and very and very often it's me just asking it's very (laughs) it's not often that it happens now people come to us and say "Ooh, can we please do put your artwork on this product Mm -hmm. like usually it's me pitching it so yeah that's awesome so I know we've talked a little bit about this, but, I'd, uh, you know, I'd love it if you'd share a little bit more. But, like, how do you balance work with the rest of your life? Is there a balance? Like, what does a typical day for you look like? Do you have time off? How does that all work? You know, um, I don't have a lot of time off. That's honest. Um, but 
I will say that having the kids at the age they're at anyways would make it hard to travel, mm-hmm. even if I wanted to with them. Like yeah. having the youngest be two makes it not sound all that appealing to have a family vacation right now <laughs> because, you know, he's just at that age. So in a year or so, hopefully some like vacation time with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the most balanced life. I'm not going to lie. My my laptop's out a lot. My kids pretend to be working on their fake computers, too, with me. Um, but I will say they draw like crazy. All of my kids draw. And the, there's always paper and colors out because I draw a lot at home and so do they. Mm. But, you know, gosh, you know, typical day. It's rough. I'm not going to mm. lie. It's rough. My kids all wake up really early in the morning because my husband wakes up early. Um, I make breakfast. My my home's messy. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a reason you don't see a ton of my home on social media. Like, that's the thing that I have sacrificed is I have a messy home. Yeah, you can't um, do it all. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a gourmet cook. You know, we, we you know, there's some things that just have taken a back seat. But, you mm. know, we're healthy and we eat food. And I wake up and I get my kids to school. And then I will drive to my studio on the three days a week that I get to go to my studio. <laughs> and I'll work those three. I, I work feverishly. Like, I don't lollygag. I work. I get as much done as I can. You know, I'm very – I try to be very efficient with my time. Mm. Um, you you know, you have three kids. There's – in any given week, someone's sick or you get a call from school <laughs> Or this or that, you know, there's always something happening. But um, I'll work from nine to two typically on those three days a week that I get to leave and go mm-hmm. to the studio. And then I'll pick up my kids, and one gets picked up at two, one gets picked up at two thirty, one get, gets picked up at three. So it's like you know a marathon in the car. Come home, <laughs> let the dog out, have after school snacks, play, wait for dad to come home from work. Then we'll have dinner, put the kids to bed by eight p.m., and then I'm back on my laptop working again of course my phone's out all the time I'm not Mm. gonna lie because I'm I do the social media so I'm responding to Instagram I post you know when seems to be a good time to post you know I mean Mm -hmm. but I'm working on that my husband and I just made a deal that he would delete the YouTube app from his phone if I would stop watching as many uh shows (laughs) on Netflix like when I'm home (laughs) with the kids you know because um that they'll have the TV on and I'll have the TV on. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just being completely honest. Yeah. It's like, it's just life. And then the other two days a week when <clears throat> my husband doesn't have to make the commute, um, I don't know. Then those are the two days when he might take the kids to school one day and I'll pick them up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he still works on those days. He just doesn't drive into his office. So, right. like, he's he's working all those days, too. We both work and we're both. That's the thing. My husband and I are both very career driven. Mm. He's super passionate about what he does. He's a he's an academic. He works at a university, mm-hmm. and um, you know I am running this creative business. So we both kind of just give each other the room we need yeah. to focus on what we need to. And you know our kids, bless their hearts. I mean, they just go along with it. It's the life they know that we work and we derive a lot of like satisfaction from that. Mm-hmm. And gosh, we just hope that. They uh, learn a good work ethic from all this, right? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, every I will say this. Every Thursday morning for the past three years, I've had coffee with my best friends. It's like a group of a bunch of people. And I set aside every Thursday morning for a few hours, and I go there. And it's like, I'll say, my recharging time during the week. Mm. Right? Nothing comes in between me and my time with my close friends. And um, that's where a lot of my life happens, sharing with 
people. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any time for friendships. I mm. have to make them happen, and that's when they happen. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's a very busy life, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll always stay this busy. I don't know, but um, you know, it it is what it is, man. Yeah, I love that time with your friends thing. That's fantastic. So I think, you know, it's basically like making a date with yourself and your friends and knowing that's so important. I'm not letting that slide. Well, actually, you know what I do? I um, That's the day my husband takes the kids to school. I get to the coffee shop like an hour before anyone else does, and I do a good hour of work before <laughs> anyone gets there, and then I put my laptop away. So then I'm like, look at me, being so efficient with my time. So... Uh, <laughs> That's the truth, though. But then I put my computer away and I just share my life with my friends. And it's it's so important. Yeah. Gosh, I can't even express how important it has been in my life. So That's lovely. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, for you guys, it's all go, go, go. This, this phase in your life, you know, growing your business, your husband's growing his career, growing some children. Yeah. <laughs> all of those yeah. things. And it just all seems like it's working pretty well really but I love that you said you know there's some things that you just you can't do at all like things are a bit are a bit messy whatever like who can like it doesn't really matter what's what really matters is you know the satisfaction of the work and the time with family and friends yeah I mean that's that's what matters and whenever those things get off kilter I mean you know you got to realign it you know and so that's my husband and I, we're, we're always like reevaluating like, okay, are we on, are we on track? Are we mm. spending enough time with each other? I will say this, like sometimes your spouse can be the person that gets neglected the most, you mm. know, during yep. work. But um, my in-laws actually gifted us a year's worth of date nights. Aww. And once a month, they take the kids and let them spend the night at their house so that Nathan and I can go out and have a real proper date. And we hadn't had like time <laughs> together just on a date in so long and when we had our first date in January and all the kids were with their grandparents we're like oh my goodness what is this we're alone what and we and we can't talk about work because we're on a date what you know so that that was uh that was it's 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 good it's really good that's a really sweet gift that's lovely it's wonderful and it doesn't cost a thing you know yeah, just, it's it. like a, the, the gift of time you know oh, yeah that's an incredible gift I'm all about the gift of experiences uh, at this age I'm like you know you've got all the stuff you need really <laughs> like my parents yeah. I'm like I don't know what to buy you guys let's let's treat you to a dinner or something instead you know <laughs> yeah rather than more stuff so Let's talk about um, marketing because you mentioned Instagram there and I'm, I'm assuming that's probably your main social media. So what does your marketing sort of look like and what's the most successful aspect of it? You know, it has changed a lot over the past year or so. Um, Instagram, you know, has changed their algorithm, which mm. makes it trickier for reaching people. But, you know, I'll be honest, um, I've never been one of those Instagram all-stars that would get thousands of likes on a post anyway. So mm-hmm. mine has kind of stayed relatively the same in terms of like, if I'm lucky, I'll get a post that might have 400 likes. Mo- most of the time it's in the 200s, but mm-hmm. likes don't even equal sales. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of really just using Instagram to tell your story and to keep people up to date. That's been fun. I just think for brand building, that's important. Mm. We actually, um, we do a newsletter and, you know, we don't have, we, we've been having this newsletter for years, but, you know, subscribers subscribe and unsubscribe. We have several thousand on that. And we send out a newsletter once a week. And of course we have a Facebook page that only has, I think 4,000 
likes on it. Mm -hmm. um, we have 20,000 Instagram followers. And um, gosh, you know, that's marketing is a small business. It's like a never ending game. Like yep. you never know if what you're doing is going to actually work. <laughs> like, so should I pay to promote mm -hmm. this post? I don't know. Will I get any return? <laughs> Will it cost $5 a click in the end? I have no idea. Mm. So um, uh, something we've recently started doing is Google AdWords. And that was at the recommendation of that 16 week business course that I took. And that's a <clears throat> Use Google and AdWords and search to drive traffic to your website. And mm -hmm. we've only just recently started that. So we are still tweaking with it. So to be announced, if that has been a good investment of money and time. And because um, that feels, it's, like I said, it's new. So I'm kind yeah. of feeling my way through it. But I would say long-term Instagram has just been the most fun way for me to connect with people. Mm -hmm. I have people who followed me for years on Instagram and we talk to each other. Uh, but um, one one beautiful thing that was born out of this Instagram change was I found that a lot of small businesses started creating um, private Instagram groups where you could like talk to each other and uh, promote each like like each other's posts. So yeah. I'm in this one small business group and it's like private group, like I said, and there's like 12 makers on there. And first it was formed like, OK, guys, everyone, every time you post a photo, post it here so we can all rush and like it, you know, because we mm. want to figure out this Instagram algorithm. And <clears throat> maybe the quicker things are liked, the better it'll do. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't know. But that was a guess. <laughs> but really, what ended up happening is it turned into this amazing like business community, mm. where like now we just share what's going on in our businesses and our lives. And it's like this cheerleading squad kind of for each other. <laughs> and like, I've actually made some incredible friendships there that it, it was just like an accident, kind of like, so it's mm. like, hey, you want to be part of this group? And I'm like, okay, and really, I've like all these people in all these different industries. Like, there's some people who make pins, like I do, like enamel pins, or people who do jewelry, people who do screen printing, just lots of different businesses. But mm. it's become like a community, and I I can't stress enough how important having a creative community is, both mm. locally, but then also online. Yeah, it's just been this fantastic thing. So, out of my marketing efforts to try to make uh, Gingerbread more exciting on Instagram, I accidentally found this really great group of friends, which is amazing. <laughs> and then what's cool is like, if it's, gen it's like this genuine like promotion of each other, mm. like where, you know, and I don't know, then like, if I have a cool product, and I want to send it to them, and they want to promote it on Instagram, just out of the goodness of their heart, because they actually like it. That's great. Because you know, um, I've tried like working with pitching myself to influencers mm -hmm. and pitching my products to them. And you know what? I did not see a good return on that at all. Mm -hmm. Like I know some people feel like the key is to give free stuff to influential people, get yeah. them to post it to their Instagram. And that should equal financial success. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, I probably during the experimentation phase of that last year, spent six months giving away thousands of dollars worth of stuff and really don't think it helped that much, honestly, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just kind of rambling, but that's just been mm. my experience. I mean, gosh, you just got to never, like, you never can stop marketing yourself. And that's yeah. the hard part. It gets exhausting, you yeah. know? <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> Especially when you've been doing it for so many years. And you're yeah. like, what am I going to talk about now? Like, you know, it's, stuff, it's just, it's the constant grind. It's like email. Like, it's you have to just keep up with it. Otherwise, things fall uh, apart. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, you remember back in the day, like we could buy a sidebar ad on a cool blog oh, that was yeah. prominent and, oh, <laughs> I would get so much traffic from that or they would for free put you in a post. Yep. It's like, 
Woohoo! I mean, I remember those days. Those were yeah. my golden days. Yeah, of, man. Um, the landscape has yeah. changed so much since like the late two thousands. Like that was the golden, the golden well, period of of our sort of blogs. You know, the the, the design yeah. blog and the the handmade and whatnot. And yeah, it's definitely a different world now. Blogs. I think those sort of blogs are very much dying or have disappeared in a lot of cases, uh, which is kind of sad. I think a lot of them have too. And I think about all the bloggers I used to follow and Mm. a lot of them aren't even doing it anymore or they've evolved into trying to create their own products to sell just like I am, which is tricky, you know, because it goes from being the, the person who's discovering you and sharing you to like, you know, it's a very flooded field out there in this creative Mm. industry which is why the marketing and making yourself distinguishable is so important mm. because there are so many more makers trying to make it happen than ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, it's tricky. Yeah. And especially if you're just starting out, you know, now, uh, you know, you and I had the benefit of kind of starting, like you said, in sort of the, the boom years, I guess, of the handmade movement um, yeah. before it became, I guess, as mainstream as it is today. Uh, and as popular as it is today. So there's definitely more competition out there. Um, and I think in some ways it's harder to get seen, like you said, you know, but I remember buying sidebar ads on big blogs and getting lots of traffic and stuff from that. And that was just what you did then. Uh, but just, I, I haven't done, I couldn't even remember the last time I did something like that. Yeah, me neither. And, you know, the the thing that's tricky is, Things are moving so much faster now, even mm-hmm. then, than it, compared to then. Like, you have to have new content all the time. Everyone's creating their own content, beautiful content, products, new releases so often. I mean, that, it feels, it can feel like you're on a never-ending cycle, yeah. you know? Like, it, it can be exhausting. And then I think it can be exhausting for an audience, too, who you're trying to reach to feel like they're constantly being sold to. Yeah. Like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. <laughs> like, it's, it, it, so it's like sometimes on our end, the makers were like, please buy our stuff, you know, but I'm not going to say it, but here's a pretty picture of something and I know you want it, you know, and then other times, you know, you'll actually say it and then you lose a lot of followers. I don't know. Um, it just, and that's, I guess, why numbers really don't matter as much with the number of followers you have. You need the right followers. Yes. You could have, you could have, you know, 50,000 Instagram followers, but if most of them aren't your ideal audience. I mean, I'd much rather have like a, what's that? There's like some phrase, like it's better to have like a, like a thousand raving fans yes. than like a million. Uh, yeah. You know that. Yeah. Phrase, I know right? the one you said. I know, the, I, think, I know exactly. I just can't think of who it is that says yeah, it. Yeah, I can't either, but it's just that the <laughs> idea is it's better to have a smaller group of people who really love and yeah. your product and your brand who will really like lift you up mm-hmm. than to have like, you know, the whole world see you once and then not care anymore, you know, right? Exactly, exactly. And really speaking to and taking care of those raving fans, I guess, is is more powerful than trying to be everything to everybody. It's so true. And I'll tell you this, our focus for this year is to create a new customer experience for our customers, a Mm -hmm. better customer experience. We're like, okay, we're never going to be like maybe as big as company A over here, Oh, you know, but what can we do to differentiate ourselves Mm -hmm. like from other people? So that's what my team is working on right now is how do we create a better customer experience, not just with customer service, but Mm -hmm. uh, everything, you know, what can we do just to enhance what we're doing a little bit more to make it a little more special? 
Yes. And that's like the, the challenge that we have right now. And that's what we're asking ourselves those questions right now so we can execute it and have it ready to roll, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think the customer experience and the whole, the whole experience from beginning to end and really focusing on that and making that something special is really powerful. I know when I a few years ago changed kind of how I interacted with customers and the messaging I sent to my customers, it made a huge difference in you know, actual building relationships with people. And that can be incredibly powerful in the long term because people then, they see you as a real person, not just a, a you know, a, the, a business. Uh, they see you, you as a human being and they get to know you and they feel that you care about them as a person. You don't just care about them as a, a number. And I think that can be very useful uh, to the growth of your business. And also, like you said, the storytelling and the branding and, and all that sort of stuff. And it can make a huge positive impact on not only the growth of your business, but also, um, I guess, how people talk about you. Because, you know, word of mouth is still king, really. It's still yeah. so powerful in this day and age. It's just we do it a little bit differently a lot of the time. You know, we'd, yeah. we might say put something on Facebook that we or mention something on Instagram or whatever, but it's still, you know, people still buy based on the recommend, recommendations of their friends. And so that's still a, a powerful tool. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's <clears throat> it's interesting. Like you can spend a lot of money to try to acquire new customers, right? Mm-hmm. Like by them finding you through Google search or advertising. But really like the best recommender like you said is someone just saying something good about your business and then if someone says something bad about your business for instance like let's say Mm. you were the type of place that could be on yelp or something like that and Mm. were to have something negative said i mean gosh hard to recover from that so really the way you treat that customer just is essential and Mm. it's hard you never want to forget that so no definitely that they're what makes or breaks your business um so it's important to to think of their experience definitely uh so we're kind of approaching the end of our conversation, but I'd like to ask if you have a particular piece of advice you'd like to give fellow makers about like starting and growing a successful creative business. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier and what I would say, because, you know, I've been on this long journey. I've been doing this for a while. I've seen a lot of trends come and go. I've seen a lot of businesses just like mine explode way faster than mine. I've seen other people like pursue different things. And I think the only way that I've been able to keep going is that I 100% believe in what I'm doing. I feel like there's a need for it in the marketplace. I feel like my voice is different than other people's voices out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm really passionate about it. And so sometimes I think there can be a misconception, especially nowadays that a business will start and immediately jump to success no 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 no. that hardly ever happens like really there's Mm -hmm. probably been so many years of just hard work and uh putting in the hours you know to develop your brand you know gosh if you don't have the patience to give it years and years and not really see a huge financial return uh, you know like Mm. don't don't do it because like not every business is going to be profitable, uh, you know, especially at the beginning. And if, if you're in it to like, if you think that somehow having like Instagram success is going to equal financial success, like that's, that's, that's a no go. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's a no go. But 
if you're really someone who has that entrepreneurial spirit and you just really have this desire to build something that's yours and that you really are at the helm of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you get to really decide how it grows and how fast it, or how fast it doesn't grow mm-hmm. and really has, you get to have complete control over this thing and feel all this ownership and pride in it. Like, that's what you have to have if you're going to start your own business, you know, you have to have that internal drive and that not everybody has that. And a lot of people get fatigued by the long hours that no one realizes go into it, the research (laughs) that goes into it, the, you know, making sure that what you're putting out there is unique and has a has a place in the market. You know, it's um, I may be rambling a bit, but I just think you have to have this gut passion and this gut drive Mm. to take something that like a, a handmade item and to be able to grow it and to scale it into something more. Because when I first started, I mean, it was a few art prints and a couple of handmade pillows. I mean, that's <laughs> it. And, you know, I really think that I really, I mean, I don't say this to be naive, but I really think I could have a million dollar business in the next few years. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's only because I've approached it as a business. Yeah. You know, I took it from a handmade hobby, which was lovely. And I, I've loved it when it was just that side of things. But when I decided to treat it as a business, you know, I, if it's not growing, you know, it's shrinking, right? Yeah. So I just, I just want to grow, grow, grow it. And I will say this, I know by talking to me, I sound pretty like upbeat and stuff, mm-hmm. like, cause I, I love my business, but you know, it could be a very lonely when you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And you're yeah. just doing it yourself and your thought life can get really negative, especially mm-hmm. if you're looking around too much. And I've struggled with that. But I, I listened to a podcast actually last week, um, the Allison show. Mm-hmm. She's like a big Instagrammer, but she started a podcast and she just had an episode and she referenced the book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't download that book fast enough and I'm in the <laughs> middle of listening to it right now. But really the idea, if you can just change like your self-talk and change like the way, like it's really easy to be like, oh my gosh, this launch isn't going to do well. Mm. I've messed up oh, no, I ordered the wrong thing. I'm going to ruin my business. Oh, I made all these mistakes. Like, Because that's where I go yeah. in my head. I'm like, oh, no, it's all on me. But I'm, I'm really challenging myself, even this late in the game, like eight years in, to change the way I'm thinking actually about my business and the way I'm thinking about myself in the business. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm really hoping that it can help me kind of point my arrows in the right direction, you know? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And Wow, like mindset, mindset is everything. You know, if you if you don't believe in yourself and you don't have that passion and drive, and like you said, entrepreneurial spirit. I think a lot of people, you know, they have a hobby and they're like, oh, maybe I could sell some stuff, and it kind of goes from there. But if you don't actually have the drive to grow a business and actually really dive into how to do that and learn, then it's you're going to find it very very difficult. Um, you know, to, to actually make a profit and make a living out of it. And you may get to the point where you're like, hang on a second, I don't think I want this after all and I just want to keep it a hobby. And that's okay if that's totally. what you decide. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you know what? Yeah. Yeah, go so ahead. I, I was just going to say, someone might not realize that unless they try. You yes. know, like I will I will never tell anyone not to try something mm. if, if it's really, you know, they really have a desire to try something, I always say, go for it. Just go into it with eyes wide open, you know? And you know what? That person may be the exception that just they're in it at the right time and it just gels and it just takes off. And that's amazing. Mm. And I have friends who that's happened for. But, Mm. you know, oftentimes 
you know, we're not instantly like featured in magazines <laughs> and instantly on these amazing Instagram feeds. Yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah, it, it takes time. And like you said, it takes years. And that's what I always tell people, you know, you got to be in it for the long haul. If you're not willing to be in it for the long haul, then just don't start because it, you will you will get disappointed if you know if you expect to have a really successful amazing business in six months <laughs> especially yeah. if you've never had a business before and have no idea about all of that stuff because it takes time oh to learn God. it really really does and I mean like I don't have a business degree like I don't have an MBA I mean I'm literally <laughs> learning it all as I go and you know what I'm proud of the business acumen that I've developed but mm. goodness I have a ways to go you know <laughs> and um yeah Gosh, just, I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that what you said that, you know, you've just gone and done a, a 16 week course because you're like, sure, I'm doing really well, but I want to do better. And yeah. I'm, the only way I'm going to do better is to learn how to do better from people who've done it before and know what they're doing. So that's really fantastic. And with that in mind, you know, looking towards the future, do you have like a, a plan, like a, a grand plan for where you want the business to be in a couple of years time? Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, you know, I, I said just a few minutes ago, I could see myself having a million dollar business. Mm. And I don't mean that like, in a naive way, like, um, you know, there are three facets to my business, there's the licensing, there's the wholesale, and then there's the direct customer sales. Mm -hmm. um, we are our, our goal is to be up to 400 stores by the end of this year. And then hopefully by the end of next year, up to 500 wholesale stores. And our goal is to also take those stores and to increase those ticket averages by creating a better retailer experience for our retailers. Mm -hmm. We're working re really heavily in that because, you know, there's nothing wrong with our products, but how can we turn that $200 wholesale order into a $400 wholesale order? Yeah. What is it going to take to get there? Because, you know what, it may not be as hard to get there as you think if there's just a couple of small tweaks you can do so we're actually examining that mm -hmm. and then we're building a new website and our goal is to increase our um conversion rate right now we have a pretty low conversion rate on our own dot com gingerbread.com so we're working with some seo people and uh, some web developers to redesign that website and then um i say all that to say in order for us to get to where we want to be, to where people know our brand and they think of gingerbread, they think of happy and they mm -hmm. think of, you know, <laughs> like we have to have the tools to get it there. So we're investing a lot of, a lot of time and energy into that right now. Um, obviously we would like to pick up more wholesale reps because I think a huge key to us getting to that million dollar mark would be uh, more wholesale. Yeah. Um, higher ticket averages, obviously and higher conversion rates, but um, licensing actually is, I think where, we're going to see the biggest opportunity for growth. I mean, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to be doing storybooks. Mm. I want to be, uh, you know, doing coffee table books. I want to be illustrating mm -hmm. those. I want to have my voice out there uh, in that regard. And I'd love to have more of my illustrations on different products. And like, I don't have a licensing agent right now. All of my licensing work has gone through me, mm -hmm. which has been fine. But um, gosh, I think if we can just get those three areas continue to ramp those up i don't think it'll be hard for us to hit that million dollar mark as a company within the next five years honestly and i know that sounds crazy but that's the goal and it may not happen but i'm gonna try so. <laughs> that's awesome and i have absolutely no doubt that if you want it you'll make it happen <laughs> i mean i want to be in a target end cap that's what i want to be i want to have some products in target i want to do <laughs> all of those things and it's funny i actually wrote that down like two weeks ago on instagram like here are my goals. Like there's a post a few weeks ago and mm. I wrote all the big dreams that I had 
and I want to be at a target in cap. And then the next day, one of my really good friends who's far ahead of me in this industry, she announced her target in cap. And I was like, there you go. I was like, like, it can happen. And it can happen to me. And um, so like, you know, that's what I'd like. And then I'll just say one more thing. Long term, I don't know if I will own Gingerbread like this forever. I've thought about it. Would I ever want to like try to license the entire company to like a bigger company? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you know, I see people like, Emily McDowell, you know, who has actually just um, been partially, like, acquired by Madison Park Group. She mm-hmm. and her team, I hope I don't missay it, but she and her team still still run it. But, like, Madison Park Group now has, like, acquired them. Right. And they do all of their manufacturing distribution. But Emily and her team still do all the trade shows and all the work. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's, an, that's a fantastic business model. And she's so innovative. And she's just paving a new way for a lot of small business people illustrators creatives and it's like wow that that's happened so quickly for her Mm. not that she hasn't worked amazingly hard but she's just paved this new way and it's inspiring and I'm like wow I want to I want to do things as creative as Emily McDowell does or Mm -hmm. I want to do things as fast and clever as um my friend Kristen with Thimble Press I mean she's just exploded her business too and I kind of look to these women who have just been trendsetters and trailblazers and I'm like okay that's what they've done. What can I do with gingerbread that's going to set me apart? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm just, I'm inspired listening to you. You know, you just got so much energy and so much passion for your business. I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So Stacy, do you have a quote that inspires or motivates you to share with us? Yes. Um, back when I had, the brick and mortar. I was going to actually put these on my put this on my window, and I didn't get a chance to do it. But this was something that I thought was really inspiring. It's by Eleanor Roosevelt, and it says, "The purpose of life is to live it, to taste, experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear the newer and richer experience." And I just thought there was so much energy and life to what she said. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing with life except to live it? You know, mm-hmm. this and to do it eagerly and to not be afraid. Like, that's pretty much what I'm trying to do with Gingerbread. Like, I love what I do. Sometimes it scares me. But every day I'm trying to push myself forward to try new things and to try new mediums and new things that excite me and to not be afraid by the what ifs. You know what I mean? And so I just I just love this quote. And I love good old Eleanor Roosevelt. She's she's a she's a peach, you know, I'm pretty sure she's the one who also said do one thing every day that scares you. Yes, she is. That might be a better quote. My favorite quote by Eleanor Roosevelt is to do one thing every day that scares you. That's what we should have No, no, but it's so true. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just love it. So That's great. Thank you so much. So where can people find you online and check out your beautiful work? You can find me online on my website, gingerbird.com. That's G-I-N-G-I-B-E-R.com. Uh, you can also find me um, on the Land of Nods website. There's a lot of products I've designed for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've designed wallpaper for Chasing Paper in New York. And then you can also find me on social media on Instagram. Um, user is Gingerbread. So you can find me there. Before we go, where does the where does Gingerbread come from? You know, it's it's not even a really good story. Back <laughs> when I was in college, before I even had the company Gingerbread, I had to create a brand during one of my class development projects that was just a brand all about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I opened up an old Latin dictionary 
And at the time, I was really into typography and lowercase g's because I was a real nerd. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I love how these look. And I saw the word ginger. <laughs> and it's literally an old Latin version of the word ginger. That's all it is. Well, and I just thought it was really cute. And so that was back when I made my own magazine about myself. It was called Gingerbur. Then when I went to start my own brand a few years later, I just was like, what am I going to call this new business? I'm just going to call it Gingerbur. And it stuck. <laughs> now I have it trademarked. Yeah. So that's, um, awesome. that's my- yeah, so that's just what it is. But, you know, now when I go into my local stores around town in Springdale, Arkansas, people think my name is Gingerbur. So they're like, hey, Gingerbur. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Uh, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you, Stacey, so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And thank you for being so open and honest and enthusiastic about sharing your business journey with us today. Well, thank you for having me. This has actually been a blast. I feel really energized now after talking to you. And so I'm going to go like do some work. <laughs> awesome. Well, enjoy that and good night and thank you. Good night and thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all the details about the Handmade Biz Bootcamp and how you can take part in the program. I'm Jess Van Den, and this has been another episode in the Create and Thrive Podcast Summer Series 2017.